Hello, Velo News listeners. This is Dan Cavallari, tech editor at Velo News, coming at you with another Velo News tech podcast. Today, I am joined all the way from London by Mr. Simon Matram, the CEO and founder of Rafa. Simon, how's it going? Very well, thank you. Very well. It's nice weather in London for a change, so it's um, it's pretty nice. Well, that's definitely the opposite of here, where it's been, it went from ninety eight degrees and fire smoke to snowing the next day. <laughs> Crazy. It's been a it's been a wild ride here. Uh, but Simon's Simon's joining me today not to talk about the weather, but to talk about uh, some uh, you know there's a, a race you all might have heard of going on right now called the Tour de France, uh, and. <laughs> What you know, we we talked a lot last week about uh, you know the bikes and the wheels and the tires and and all the things that uh, make up a cool bike and what the pros get that we don't get that that helps them win races. But one of the things that often gets overlooked is the clothing that riders wear. Uh, and Simon, you, you, you happen to have a little bit of expertise in cycling clothing. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you today a little bit about, um, what the pros are wearing, uh, at Grand Tours and, and, and at other major races that may be different than what everyday rider Joe like me is riding. Uh, and so, you know, Rafa has sponsored pro teams before and, and currently does now. So Simon, I wanted to talk to you about pro clothing. So let's start super basic. Do the pros ride the same clothes that consumers wear, like you and me? Yeah. Um, the, the answer to that's changed quite a lot in the last few years, actually. Um, if you go back to when I started Rafa in 2004, back then we felt, I think, fairly – we were fairly sure that the pros had worse kit than we had. <laughs> you know, we started out to make um, you know, really high-end clothing with much better fabrics and smooth zips and – all sorts of functionality that we built into the product, mm-hmm. whereas at the time the pros were basically given rags to wear. Yeah. It was cheap yeah. fabric, and it was people hadn't woken up to the performance advantages of good clothing. Mm-hmm. So that was you know 16 years ago. I think the last 10 years there's been a the things that they've got much closer, and mm-hmm. now there's there's been a much more focus on what the pros wear, and largely what you see in the world tour these days is the sort of thing that you might be able to buy from leading brands from the sort of more premium brands um but we started to see creeping in some new innovations into the world tour into Mm -hmm. the top pros which are way ahead of what we buy as consumers or more specific i mean they're they're ahead in certain areas they may not be as comfortable perhaps but they they, they perform a different function and they're they're much more specific Mm -hmm. so it's gone through a real transition from them being behind to them being ahead i would say Mm -hmm. And, and that's a that's an interesting point that you know largely you know the needs of the pros don't necessarily mesh with the needs of the everyday rider you know like you know a lot of pros right now are riding skin suits i i don't need a skin suit on my next you know <laughs> ride ride <laughs> ride through here in, in in colorado um so you know there's definitely uh differences in terms of of goals you know like you said the the pros don't necessarily want to be uh i mean they want to be comfortable but they don't necessarily need comfort to be as high of a priority as somebody like me who's riding every day and it's hot and i just want to be comfortable and i'm not going to win the tour yeah. of france um, yeah i think that's right i, I think it's easy to exaggerate some of these things and i I think you know the pros are human beings so Mm -hmm. they 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 succumb to the same kind of temptations that we do are you are you sure they're human beings i'm not entirely (laughs) convinced (laughs) some of their performances would suggest that they're uh, out out of ordinary but 
but you know they they lots of them do care about what they look like mm-hmm. you know it really matters when you're in that close community where you see every detail of every other person and you're cheek by jowl with mm-hmm. them you know through a whole season mm-hmm. so some of them really care about you know aesthetics but they really really care about the stuff working yeah. um, it has yeah. to be completely bomb proof mm-hmm. um there's an interesting thing that goes on there where they get enough kit where it doesn't have to last a whole season. You know, it can last a few races and then be chucked away and replaced with something new. Right. But at the same time, it has to be absolutely bombproof because they do do thousands of miles. So, mm-hmm. and if anything fails, if the clothing fails and, and, and you know, stops somebody running a race, that's absolutely terrible. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they have very specific requirements. If you think about what their bodies go through and for how long and the extremes of temperature, the extremes of speed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of the, the difficult terrain, the weather, they have to have stuff that copes with everything. Whereas you or I could probably, well, I have a bar bag, so I can stick stuff in my bar bag. Right, right. <laughs> I don't think pros are using bar bags yet, but no, um, no. Their, their kit has to perform in so many more extreme uh, conditions than we do right right so you know i think comfort does matter to them to a to a level but i think there's other things that take priority and you know i think it's also yeah. it's 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 important to note too that you know like you said they have to look good uh and you know that that goes beyond vanity i think you know when you're competing at the highest levels of the sport you have to look like you belong there and that's that matters for the team that matters for the clothing sponsor it matters for the rider i mean so the you know, we can't take that lightly as we could if, you know, like I want to look good on my group ride. <laughs> sure. But like, you know, I can't tell you the amount of conversations we've had with certain riders about the length of their bib shorts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really believe that the length, you know, a few millimeters here or there really changes performance, but sure. it does matter when you've got certain sculpted legs. They, they have very specific requirements and, mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, some things that we just don't really see. So clearly we know that they have to be aero and we mm. know that lots of your listeners will know about the performance advantages of aero pro, uh, clothing and bikes. Right. So they get that. It has to be comfortable, you know, in the right conditions. So yeah. it absolutely has to be something you can wear all day. Right. But there are some things that, that your listeners might not know about. So if you think about how these races happen throughout France at the moment, you know, you've got these big buses taking riders from stage to stage. And until quite recently, all those riders would end up staying in hotels and using the hotel washrooms, um, the laundry facilities. So basically all their kit would go in a string bag and be chucked in a massive industrial washing machine and blasted at 40 degrees centigrade or (laughs) possibly 50 degrees within an inch of its life and then given back to them the next day or the day after if they had two pairs. Mm -hmm. Um, That's changed a bit with teams like Ineos and uh, I'm sure Jumbo are the same, and most of the leading teams now will have their own washing machines. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I think Team Sky or Team Ineos has a different machine for each rider yeah. to prevent contamination, cross-contamination of bacteria or whatever between between the clothing. Sure. This is pre-COVID as well. Right. But yeah, so, so the product has to be able to withstand washing at high temperatures, mm-hmm. which is quite interesting because I don't think most of our customers would give it quite as much a, a blasting. Right. And then there are other things like... Um, you may have noticed uh, the guys going back and putting on these gilets to pick up all the bottles. Yeah, yeah. Um, which are, you know, a very specific requirement where they used to shove them down the jerseys, and most teams still do that. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. some teams have now adopted these special gilets for almost like a bandolero or a holster for putting the bottles in, which makes it easier. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we designed one particular thing for Team Sky, which was uh, based on the insight that when they get to the top of a climb at the finish of a stage, it's usually freezing, mm-hmm. and if it's not freezing, it's pretty cold, and right. the chance of getting a chill at that point are terrible. Um, so we developed a heated jacket that you could that plugged into heat elements and batteries, and you could put it on at the top of the climb when you finish the race, yeah. and it would 
it would press a button and it would then heat up the whole of your upper torso so you could then descend to the bus because often the buses would be down the mountain that's awesome so yeah very specific things like that which or i probably don't need well in colorado you might need that Uh, yeah (laughs) don't need those yeah um, yeah, they're, they're a peculiar group, these riders. Yeah, well, and I think the vest, the the gilet, is is a is a good example of something that you know there's a divergence between what the pros need and what we need. I mean, I can't think of a situation where I would need a vest <laughs> full of water bottles. I mean, uh, it's a really neat thing, but you know, as a consumer, I would never need that. Um, but I, I think that brings up an excellent point, you know, right now. So, you know, obviously Rafa worked closely with team sky in the past and which is now Ineos Grenadiers. Um, you also currently, uh, work with some, some current teams, which are, uh, EF, I believe. And, um, I'm blanking on the second one. Uh, can you SRAM and can the you SRAM. yes. Cool. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, you, you, this is not a new territory for for rafa and i'm curious if you could talk a little bit about what the process looks like um of working with those teams and and developing a piece of clothing for racing at the top echelons of the sport i mean how how involved are the teams in that um uh you know that process of developing something and Mm. and and what does the interaction look like yeah i mean with us the teams are incredibly closely involved i think for some teams it's still somewhat arm's length mm-hmm. um yeah there are a lot of teams who have fairly standard clothing now um and teams will change a supplier and therefore you know just just get what they're given almost but i think most of the best teams now really believe in working in partnership and we've certainly been doing that since since working with team sky where mm-hmm. we we basically moved our whole business to be focused on that team yeah. and we were right in the detail of everything and and there will usually be there will normally be some riders in the and and ds's within the team director sportees in the team who will be very focused on clothing mm-hmm. um there will usually be one point person who then feeds all the feedback to to the partner in mm-hmm. this case rafa um but there'll also be rider panels where there'll be a number of riders who we talk to a lot of the time yeah we're, we're very close to them and they're usually the ones who are pretty articulate um very thoughtful but they can also articulate what it is they're they're thinking mm-hmm. uh, there are some riders who just don't care <laughs> and they or if they do care they, they don't want to talk about it and they just get on with the job mm-hmm. there are others who think really deeply about the product so i won't use examples from our current teams because that's a bit unfair but with team sky there were people like gabriel rash and joe dombrowski and uh um, Boswell and Pete Kennock, Ben Swift, Bernie Eisel, those sort of people were really good at articulating what they wanted the clothing to do. Mm-hmm. And that's gold dust for us because yeah. you know, we can we can respond to those things and come back with creative solutions. Um, so we talk to them all the way through the year and we'll start with a concept early at the, the, the spring training camps or the, the winter training camps now as they are before mm. the beginning of right. the season. Um, and we'll develop things with them through the year, usually with the best newest innovations focus on the biggest races so mm-hmm. clearly the, the Giro and the tour would normally be the place where you drop those those big innovations because that's when it really has to work mm-hmm. um but it's a very close ongoing process mm-hmm. we've now got to the stage with some of the riders where we develop special ranges with them which we then sell to the public which is quite interesting so those right for example hannah barnes in canyon sram who's a good friend of ours we've developed a range with her last year which mm-hmm. sold really well and that allows her to express all the things that she thinks kit should be about sure certainly in a visual sense yeah um so that's that's quite interesting too but yeah it's a very close partnership yeah now and and i think one of the things to 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 note here is that you know i i own quite a bit of of rafa kit and the big thing with rafa to me is that you know it's 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 certainly stylish and i think you know it's it's got its um 
you know, it's key elements like the band on the sleeve and all that. But more than that, what I notice about Rafa, especially the jerseys, is that uh, it's not necessarily race cut, tight fit. It's like comfortable. The materials are very comfortable against the skin. Whereas racers, uh, it, it's a totally different piece of, of equipment when it comes to jerseys, bibs, things like that. So um, one of the things that pros need is something that's not going to flap or, or move around a lot. Um, so when you work with the those pro teams, is there an element of, of going to the wind tunnel to test all these these uh, pieces of equipment? Yeah, com- completely. That That's part and parcel of, of being involved in racing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, right from when we first started sponsoring a team or in fact owning a team which was Rafa Condor back in 2006 2007 mm-hmm. we couldn't do that we couldn't dream of doing that if we didn't have some relevant products and mm-hmm. we just launched a what we call pro team which is a range of Rafa products which are which are much tighter fitting and right. much more focused on the race audience so yeah our classic products are more forgiving for Fred's like me mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and a bit more flattering um, but anybody who's who needs to race, wants to race, or wants to look like they race, clearly mm. wants something which is much tighter and much more form-fitted. And so our protein range does that. And then we have Protein Aero, which is the you know, the, the ultimate in form-fitting mm. aerodynamic products. And that's all developed in the wind tunnel, mm-hmm. starting with Team Sky. And we've now done it with EF and Canyon SRAM. And all our, our key athletes will work in the wind tunnel with them. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really, really important. But it's kind of horses for courses, isn't it? And and it has changed massively. And back in again, back in two thousand, if you look at the early pictures of Lance Armstrong winning the tour, there's a lot of flappy jerseys going on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's quite interesting to compare and contrast twenty years and yeah. how much tighter and as you say, everyone's wearing skin suits now. I mean mm-hmm. it's de rigueur for, you know, three hundred kilometer rides, never right. mind um, a short sprint. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's changing quite a lot. Yeah. Last time I wore a skin suit, it took longer to get into the skin suit than my ride took. <laughs> 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 we, we made a, a world champions skin suit for Vassil Kirienka when yeah. uh, he, he won the world championships and it, you know, all white with a world champ bands and yeah. he came into the office and we thought it was some kind of mistake because it was literally the size of a child's baby <laughs> And we, we had a few tests where we got various people in this, in the, in the office to try and put it on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> most people couldn't get anywhere near it of yeah. course Kirienka isn't the smallest of riders right right but they're all a bit smaller and thinner than we are for sure for <laughs> sure it, tu- it turns out yeah i'm pretty sure i have more body fat than the whole peloton so <laughs> <laughs> um so you mentioned one of the specific challenges of of developing kit for the pros is that you know it, it really depends on how communicative uh, the pros can be about what they need um but what are some of the other specific challenges to developing kit uh specifically for the pros who are you know they're going to spend so much time in this clothing. Um, they need every arrow advantage. They need ventilation. They need comfort. Um, you know, what are some yeah, of the- there's, a, there's a lot about thermoregulation. Yeah. So I, yeah. What everyone's discovering is that your body works most effectively at certain temperatures. And, you know, you, you see the guys putting ladies stockings filled with ice down right. the back of their jerseys, which, which is fantastic, isn't it? We, we yeah. try, we've tried a number of solutions that are more elegant to that, <laughs> but it still seems to be the most cost-effective yeah. and yeah. simple solution that you just fill these things and stick them down your, down your jersey. So thermoregulation is so, so important. So we've looked at fabrics and the combination of fabrics that allow the body to maintain exactly the right um, temperature throughout a stage. And, and as we said before, you're often going 2,000 meters of elevation or more right. in a stage. So you, you have to accommodate that. Um, you need to obviously sort of you know block the wind, and then you, you've got to have things which 
which dry really quickly. As soon as there's moisture on the skin, that's when chills start to happen, and that's when the body temperature goes goes crazy. Mm-hmm. So we've developed all sorts of things. In fact, one of the riders we work with at the moment, we're trying to develop some fast-drying shoes because he absolutely hates his shoes getting filled with sweat or filled with water Yeah. Um, if it's a rainy stage. And you know, just the, the, the drag of that, but mm-hmm. also the, the comfort issue of that. So we're looking at you know, particularly fast-drying shoes and, mm-hmm. and shoe technologies. So, yeah, it's, I think it's as much about um, the right temperature as it is about aero, to be honest. Mm-hmm, and we've mm-hmm. now got to the stage where, you know, most kit is now pretty aero and we're right down in the marginal gains territory when we go into wind tunnels. Um, you know, we've, we benchmarked all the skin suits in the Peloton um, a year and a half ago. And there are some big differences, but the more time goes on, mm-hmm. everyone's realizing what they have to do. And you've seen, you know, sleeve lengths and mm-hmm. the perforations being put on certain parts of the, of the garment. Um, we're looking at aero socks, you know, all those things have now been adopted. Yeah. And we're getting to the point where I think every extra watt you can, can gain is going to be costing more and more and starting to compromise, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. What about, I, and this just occurred to me and you, and I don't know if this is something you can answer, but you know, shoes, it's just such a different thing than bibs and, and which are such a different thing than jerseys. Um, right. With something that departs so vastly from things like fabrics and materials used for jerseys and bibs um, to shoes. Uh, do you, do you like, do you strategically partner with, brands uh other brands to develop a shoe or is that something that was developed in-house and you guys are you know learning it with every iteration how did that develop? yeah we, we started out working with giro mm-hmm. um who are good friends of ours and and the first couple of models that we released a few years ago were, were with giro which was really helpful because they had a fantastic last and everything about shoe building is it's all about the last yeah. which is the way that the shoe fits around the around the foot and you have to get that last right to be able to accommodate the right kind of foot shapes and also to give the right comfort so we worked with them and their last to do the first iterations and then more recently the last two years we've launched our own we created our own last and uh, for men and women and we've been launching shoes on based on that mm-hmm. the pro team shoes were developed with pro riders and you know you'll see there's a few members of team ef there's a uh, few members of Canyon Shram. Then there's the other teams that we sponsor, like Legion in Los Angeles, and um, yeah, smaller local teams where lots of the athletes were involved in the shoes and mm-hmm. and now wear the shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, shoes are really interesting. That they tend to not be a massive contract for riders, as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. and and people tend to they've got a bit more freedom with shoes to go with the thing that they most like. So some people will really, you know, some people still are wearing city shoes, which they've worn all their career right, because right. they particularly get on with that shape. Yeah. Um, you know, Cav will still wear his Nike shoes that are made by an Italian company because he has a separate contract with them. And so you're allowed to do your own thing a bit more with shoes than you can with clothing. Sure. Um, but they're all sort of, they all seem to be heading to, towards being white, which yeah. I think is a very good thing. I would definitely approve of that. Yeah, yeah. And they all seem to have boa dials in the yeah. peloton as well. So oh, yeah. there's a sort of homogenization going on in footwear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of like we're honing to see what, what works and what, what riders respond to. Um, right. So we're going to take a quick break here, but when we get back, uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about that uh, interaction with the the pro, the specific pro rider once a, a piece of kit is developed. Um, and you mentioned Kirilenko and, and the, the skin suit. I, th- I think that's a, a good segue into that. But uh, let's take a quick break where we're going to hear from our sponsors and we will be right back with Simon Matron from Rafa. 
VeloNews has been the American voice of competitive cycling since 1972, and I'm excited to tell you about our all-new premium membership program, VeloNews Pass. When you join VeloNews Pass, you get instant access to members-only perks you won't find anywhere else, including premium content, your choice of any of our magazines from VeloNews, Triathlete, Ski, Backpacker, and more, and Pro Deals Galore. We're giving listeners of the VeloNews Tech Podcast 15% off VeloNews Pass with the code TECH15. Make sure you spell that lowercase. You can sign up at VeloNews.com slash ActivePass and enter the code TECH15 during checkout. That's VeloNews.com slash ActivePass and coupon code TECH15 to start taking advantage of your exclusive benefits today. Okay, Simon. So once you have a piece that is ready for riders, uh, you've you know you've gotten their feedback. You've gone back and, and developed the piece. Um, what does the process look like for changing it, tailoring it, um, preparing that that piece of kit for each rider that they'll use in the races? I mean, is there? Do you have the riders come in to Rafa? Uh, do you send it to them and get notes? I mean, what does that process look like? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting you ask that because that's been something we've been very involved with from from the early days you know customizing product for for riders and and actually cycling if you look back to racing you know a few decades ago virtually nobody had custom fitted product they would get basically stock standard garments and sometimes they're they'd get their mothers to check to restitch them <laughs> at home using the sewing machine yeah, um, yeah it was only the race leaders who got their own special product and yeah. you know the old wool suppliers Oncotil and Gemignani and Bobbe and what have you, the the, the Grand Patron of the yeah. of the Peloton, they'd yeah. be able to go to a special factory to get their own jerseys yeah. because they they were champions. So so when we first came into the the World Tour with Team Sky um, quite a few years ago now, 2013, um, we decided right, well let's do everything we can to make this as perfect as possible. And the obvious place to start was let's make everything fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. So rather than just tailoring the jerseys and the shorts, we decided to personally tailor every single garment for mm. every rider mm. and in fact for the support staff mm. and the ds's and the uh, and dave brailsford and everybody yeah. <laughs> so we took on this ridiculously laborious process and uh-huh. um you know, if you if you think that each rider gets something like 200 different pieces of product we were custom fitting everything from yeah. socks to gloves to um, gilets nipping and tucking and letting out and extending it was an incredible process it it created a degree of chaos for my supply chain and my team and they and they they worked their their asses off to get it done yeah and in some cases we went too far and you didn't need to do it because <laughs> as soon as you custom fit you know somebody will will do the measurements when they're in the off season and then it, two two months into racing they've lost quite a <laughs> yeah, few pounds yeah, yeah. and they're in their race weight and suddenly you have to change it again um so I think we, we went overboard, but yeah. these days, certainly with, with EF and with Canyon Strand, there is some customization of critical products. Mm-hmm. We don't do everything because we don't think the gains are there for everything, yeah. but certainly with jerseys and jackets and shorts, um, some of the critical items, we will, we will always custom fit those. Uh-huh. And all you really had to do in the end was just send it to the rider's mom. i remember we we used to have a team uh, with this rafa condor team i mentioned and at at one point the riders turned up to a race with longer white socks than we did and this was back in the day when socks started getting longer and we we went through that whole vogue of having longer socks which is still with us i guess yeah i thought this is strange they've got these long white socks with two black lines around them how did that happen yeah turns out that dean downing one of our riders 
didn't like the length of the socks, so he got his mum to unpick them. <laughs> and all the other riders liked that too, so they all had Dean's mum unpick their socks. Oh, so they had socks. There's an old saying that uh, to look good is already to go fast, which yeah. is an old John Bobbe quote, and I think <laughs> it's still completely true. I think there's there's got to be like a novel or a movie and just, you know, Eddie Merckx's mom sitting around sewing jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably true. Yeah. Probably yeah. true. <laughs> um, so I guess, you know, the next logical question here is that, you know, Rafa, you know, was a Team Sky sponsor in the past. And, you know, we've heard so much about their their system of marginal gains and, and you know, this this idea that you know, Sky is sitting there with a team of scientists and every little little bit counts. What was it like to work with that team? And, and what did the company, the, the, the company, Rafa, um, learn from that experience of working with a team like that? Yeah, it was, um, it was fascinating. And it was definitely a, a huge learning process for us. Um, working closely with Dave Brailsford is one of the, the highlights of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went into it thinking we knew about racing because we had a domestic team and we could customize everything, as I said. What we discovered is that I mean, they, they think through everything. So you know, what you hear is true. You know, they are incredibly focused on everything that could go wrong in a, in a, in a racing situation and, and for the rider's well-being. And it's phenomenal to see. What you might think, though, is that that means they're doing wildly crazy experimentation the whole time. Mm-hmm. And what we discovered quite quickly is that that's actually not what's most important for them. What's most important for them is avoiding problems mm. and solving problems. It's not testing something that, that has a, a small chance of succeeding that could completely game change they're much more about the marginal gains that dave brelsford talks about and that hit us quite hard because you know we were trying to change everything yeah i remember sitting down with dave at one point and he said listen simon what you need to think about is yeah this is a meal we've got to get the meal right and i want you to start with a steak not the peas Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) what he meant was the most important thing is to get the stuff to fit right to work right to be bomb proof yeah and then you know then if you and in fact at the time we'd started developing one of those waistcoats that gilets that that vests that can carry bottles and we were putting this in front of sky saying this could be a great thing for you know making it easier to transport the bottle through the peloton and they were like yeah it's interesting but actually this you know it's difficult to put on and take off and actually we think that's adding too much risk let's keep putting them down the jerseys for the next couple of seasons because actually it's more important we solve some of the, you know the, the fundamental things like getting to the top of a climb and being freezing right. um, yeah. than my previous conversation so it was really in- interesting their approach to innovation is about finding and solving problems not having moonshots you know for Mm -hmm. some kind of imagined goal um and i found that that really interesting it's relentless and it's painful you know as a as a partner you are on your game the whole time right right. um but you learn a hell of a lot and they pushed us a lot to improve sure which i mean frankly you know being in that situation where you're constantly on your game and that's really what drives you know the the best innovations right i mean it's eliminating problems and then finding the solution in a sense totally. right yeah totally and and i would they're very good at it and everybody who knocks whenever people knock ineos grenadiers as they're now called mm. i can just imagine there's certain things going on behind the scenes which mm-hmm. which are just eking away at some of the things that others didn't realize was a problem and they're going to solve it and 
then everyone's going to go, oh, we should do that too. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's almost, yeah, it's, it's like in a business really, you know, right? They hire these outside, uh, you know, uh, analysts to come in and say, find our problems so that we can fix them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's an interesting approach, um, you know. And and now now you you guys are are applying a lot of what you learned, I assume, to the teams you do sponsor now. And I think that's for you as a business it must be invaluable. Uh, no, it's, it's it's so so important. It's yeah. The most of the products that I wear um, every day as a just a regular amateur are informed in some way by what happens in the pro peloton. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in my mind, like most people who probably listen to this, in my mind on my best day, I am on the cold Perisord. Right, right. (laughs) Attacking for the stage win. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And a little bit of me would quite like to, you know, I always wear white shoes. I wear white shoes because pros wear white shoes. I don't mm-hmm. wear white shoes because they're practical. Right, right. Um, but no, but it, but it's you know, on the serious points. The, the innovations that come through, the fabrics we're using, the cut and the fit, um, some of the you know, the sham the chamois that we now put in bib shorts have been developed quite often with the teams. You know, we've just got a super lightweight, thin, sh- the thinnest chamois we've ever used in mm-hmm. our power weave bibs, which the which Team EF are using, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's phenomenal, and that's now going to go into our mainline range so yeah it's very important the trickle down does happen yeah yeah going back completely in the opposite direction from the the idea (laughs) of marginal gains one of the Mm -hmm. most uh basic uh problems i'm sure you guys face in terms of developing a piece of kit especially for pros is is the sublimation process um can you talk about what that is and Mm. how it factors into the clothing that pros wear yeah i can it's um it's something that I have a love-hate relationship with sublimation. Yeah, sublimation um, it can be held responsible for some of the worst-looking cycling <laughs> kits. In fact, the worst-looking athletic kit from any sport yeah. in history. Yeah. And, you know, it all came along in the late 70s. And until the late 70s, obviously, it was, it was very difficult to put designs onto products and to put logos onto products. You had to stitch them in or embroider them or add patches or whatever. And sublimation allowed some, a graphic designer to do whatever they wanted, yeah. and it could be applied to the product. You know, the way it works is a combination of intense heat mm-hmm. and pressure, and they create sublimation, sublimation papers, which are literally printed out from the computer, and they, those papers have ink forced into them, and then they are put onto the fabric, and it takes a certain kind of fabric you have to be able to use, and pressure and heat is applied so that the ink is basically sublimated into the fabric. Mm. Um, it crushes the fabric, so you have to be careful of the fabrics you use. Um, and the tolerances are quite fine, so you'll often see sublimated products not being very good from a performance point of view. Sure. You know, it generally won't breathe quite as well as a, as a garment-dyed or a, a fabric-dyed product. Yeah. But what it does allow you to do, well, if you're careful, you can get it to be quite high level. But what it allows you to do is obviously go crazy with graphics yeah, yeah. hence you know teams like Polti and Castorama and things in the in the 80s were yeah pretty horrendous in the 90s yeah, yeah um but when done well it allows you to do all kinds of things which you know our current ef and canyon sram kits are exuberant and you know that they're, they're incredibly eye-catching which mm-hmm. of course is the most important thing about pro racing is you need the fans to be able to see your riders otherwise yeah. you know you, you've you've lost effectively yeah, and, and I don't know if you can see just over my shoulder here is a, a Multaney yeah. jersey. <laughs> yeah, look at that. So that that wasn't sublimated. No, 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 and it it looks super cool and having the the layers and everything and the wool. But man, you throw that jersey on, 
it's heavy, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Very true. I mean, I th- the trouble with sublimation is you can do anything. So, you know, hence the bane of my life is is um, cycling kit with pictures on. Yeah. yeah I yeah. just don't think there's any there's any cause to have a picture on your jersey. I'm sorry if you're <laughs> listeners, some people are listening going, hang on a minute, I've got a picture of the Grand Canyon on mine. Yeah, That's right, great. right. <laughs> uh, each to his own. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I don't believe in that. So, yeah, you have to be careful. I think if good design will shine through, mm-hmm. whether it's sublimated or it's classic, um, yeah. you know. Yeah. Speaking of, of, of those designs and, and standing out in the Peloton, um, right now we're, you know, we're watching the Tour de France and I, you know, I was watching this morning and, and it's so hard right now to pick out who's in the yellow Jersey because there's so many yellow jerseys. <laughs> there's, you know, I don't know how they've allowed them to do that. I mean, yeah. we, we, um, obviously the, the rule is that in the tour, if your kit is yellow, you change color. Right. You know, Mercatoni right. Uno, um, used to wear a yellow and they changed to pink in the tour. Mm-hmm. And the same, the same thing happens in the Giro. You know, if your kit is pink, which for our team EF is, it is pink, right, right. um, you will have to change out. Um, in fact, you know, last year we got away with not changing our EF kit for the Giro. Um, this year we are going to do a change out, which, um, I can't tell you anything about, but, uh, it is going to blow people's minds nice. <laughs> i think um, <laughs> it's really it's really really exciting but yeah. you know we have to do it because you can't have guys riding around in the same color as the leader right for some reason the tour have allowed yumbo visma to wear their yellow kit i don't understand it at all mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense to me so for for listeners who didn't catch that i guess look look carefully at ef kit for for the giro it'd be something <laughs> something different and cool watch this space yeah exactly. yeah yeah i mean and, and to your to your benefit really i would say because you know if you're uh if you're a team and you match the 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 leader's jersey i mean boy that just it, it it's a hindrance to the the leader's jersey but it's also a hindrance to the team as well right i mean it doesn't make you stand out as much as you would i mean um so i think there's there's it must be a pain for you to have to change the jersey, but it also probably benefits you to some extent. Oh, I, I think it's um, these are all these opportunities to. Mm-hmm. I, I think just to change to another color is 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 just a pain, and it's it's boring and mm-hmm. and it's difficult for fans who've grown up. You know, we want fans to follow our teams. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what cycling struggles from is that people don't really follow teams, unlike other sports. So we want them to feel involved in Team EF or Team Canyon SRAM. If we then change the kit and don't do a good job of it, then they're just going to get confused or they're not going to spot their heroes. So yeah. you have to, it's an opportunity to tell a story. It's an yeah. opportunity to do either do something for a good cause or accentuate something about the team, to bring something to the party that then everyone can go, ah, oh, that's why they've changed mm-hmm, and still mm-hmm. keep something of, of the identity of the team in it. Sure. Uh, sure. Well, then also, I mean, you know, for me as a, as a guy, I clearly have a wall of collectors type stuff on my wall behind me. So I like to collect, you know, cycling related gear. Um, but, you know, think about like those Anse kits from back in the day. They were yellow. And for the tour, they would change to pink. And now that becomes yeah. a collector's okay. item, right? Like you, I need the pink. on. I have the yellow Anse jersey, but I know I, I need the pink one now. Um, so exactly. that, yeah. that, that builds a little bit of cachet for the brand, I would imagine. Yeah. There's still something. There's something so um, powerful about the yellow jersey isn't there yeah. i mean it still is although our color is pink and and we love that for for all you know the obvious reasons it's um there is something about yellow yeah. that uh just permeates it's, it's bigger than the sport really isn't sure. it, the yellow jersey well it's so iconic and, and so tied to the sport itself i mean i think even people who don't follow you know cycling would would recognize the yellow jersey right 
Yeah. Uh, so that, that I made the mistake. I made the mistake once of wearing a world champions jersey. <laughs> I see one behind you on your wall. I'm sure you haven't made that mistake, but yeah, uh, yeah I once bought one just yeah. before the attempt you tour about 10, 15 years ago. And I rode back to my hotel down the main road and all these French cars were going past saying, Hey, Cipollini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the year Cipollini was world champion. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, there are certain things you cannot do. And I wouldn't wear a yellow jersey for that reason. Right, too. right. It's funny. I mean, I don't know what it's like in the UK, but here in the US, if, if you're riding in a team kit, even just a regular old team kit, you know, people will look at you to see if you're a pro because nobody wears the team kits here unless you're a pro. And I, yeah. I was testing some, some gear not too long ago and had team logos on it. And I couldn't figure out why everybody kept half wheeling me or trying to out sprint me and things like that. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm wearing the team kit. I think they must think I'm on the team. <laughs> it's a, it's a big debate in the U S isn't it? I've, yeah. I've followed some of that debate yeah. and it's changed a lot. I mean, here it's changed a hell of a lot. You know, yeah. people used to wear team kit. They don't so much anymore Mm -hmm. but people are pretty relaxed whereas if you if you're in italy or france team kit is really common and it's it's you know it's fine to wear yeah yeah i mean it's it's there's a lot of style rules and and style so changes so much depending on where you are so it's it's hard to to be the master of style in every every market you're going to be in i guess (laughs) yeah yeah i think style is just knowing knowing what you like and yeah. sticking to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's what style is for, for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. Simon, is there anything we're forgetting to talk about, uh, you know, regarding the, the, the difference between what, what we ride and what the pros ride or have we pretty much covered all of, of the, the finer gritty details of it? I think we've covered most of the details. I mean, it's, I wouldn't underestimate the amount of how important it is that the riders, kit is looked after carefully mm-hmm. um and it doesn't sort of disintegrate on a tour and there's been plenty of stories of that happening sure. you know you, in fact you used to see riders with threadbare gear mm-hmm. yeah and all it takes is a few crashes mm-hmm. and you know you've got a disastrous looking peloton so the stuff has to be able to be carefully washed and you know we, we would always provide special wash bags mm-hmm. um go right down to testing the, the fabric um wash washing um, powders that were used yeah you know, all that sort of stuff is really really important and yeah maybe some of your listeners will know that themselves you, know, you put your favorite nicks in the wash with the wrong kind of fabric detergent mm-hmm. and you can end up with a sort of a you know a, a streakiness or it just doesn't work so well right so these things really matter and, and the teams do think about that stuff yeah um and as as a just a note for listeners i mean simon you talked earlier in the in the show about um you know, the team's tossing bibs and, and shirt jerseys in the dryer, probably not what everybody should be doing. If you can hang dry, that's probably the better way to do it. Always. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes I'm glad you said that. Yeah. yeah. Don't put your Rafa stuff yeah. and, bu- and blast it at 50 degrees, please. Uh, right. It should be okay, but really <laughs> it's better to, to hang dry, certainly with bibs as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think anybody who's really investing in, in a high end pair of bibs is going to want to take care of it. So, you know, hang dry it and, and that's just a better way to do it. Um, Simon, thank you for joining me today. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for uh, taking the time. Uh, and, My pleasure. And for those of you listening, if you have questions about this episode of the Velo News Tech Podcast or any of the other podcasts in the Velo News atmosphere, please do feel free to reach out to me. You can catch me on email at dcavalieri at velonews.com. You can also find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Brown Tie Dan. Uh, so if you have any questions or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like me to cover on a future episode of the Velo News Tech Podcast, I would love to hear it. Uh, Simon, thank you again. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. And we will catch you uh, next time on the Bell News Tech Podcast.